0: this podcast may not be suitable for young listeners. We discuss very emotional topics and at times use grown-up language. Each episode could contain content that may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to The Secret in My DNA. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Michelle Perret. The Secret in My DNA is a podcast where NPEs and MPEs can share their stories. NPE is an acronym for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. MPE means Misattributed Parental Event. This means that we've discovered that at least one assumed parent is not our biological parent. In 2016, I found out I was an NPE after taking an Ancestry DNA test And suddenly, life as I knew it was no longer the same. On this podcast, we share the experience of making our DNA discovery and what the journey has been like since. Most people cannot empathize or understand unless they've lived it. I find the podcast platform to be a wonderful way for us to come together as a supportive community in which we can heal from the trauma and take back our narrative by sharing our stories with the hope that this will help others to cope with their new life-altering truth. Welcome to episode 8. Are you sitting down? My guest today is Lynn. Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yay, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you and get to be with you on your show as well.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. So, would you like to start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from?
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, I am from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, and I was not raised here. I was raised in Calgary, Alberta, which is one province over. I am, through many different discoveries, I've become a transformation and leadership coach. I also do some HR consulting. Human Resource Consulting. And um, I'm a very proud mom of a 12-year-old boy.
0: That's wonderful. So you have a lot of plates spinning.
1: I do, yeah. (laughs) I always call um, people like myself multi-passionate.
0: I like that. I like that. (laughs) Yay. So Lynn, when um, did you discover that you are an NPE and how did you make that discovery?
1: This is a big question. Um, I discovered I'm an NPE from reading a Psychology Today article when I started searching for answers. Um, I did not know there was a term for it. I did not know there was a pretty big community of us. And uh, I was actually thrilled to find the NPE group on Facebook and have a place where I could be seen and heard and also realize that I wasn't alone in my story and that there is quite a few of us out there.
0: And how long ago did you start questioning what your true paternity was?
1: Uh, Great question. 15 years ago, I was about 30 years old. And um, my older brother was kind of teasing me a little bit, as he usually does. And he uh, mentioned that there was a rumor that my dad might not be my dad. And of course, you just, you don't believe it. Your older brother's just teasing you like he always has your whole life. Right? So um, when I dug a little deeper, I had reached out to my mom and asked her, and she said she would call me back, and I reached out to my birth certificate father and asked him where this rumor was coming from, and he told me he was 99% sure that I was his, so there was always that 1% lingering that that rumor might be true for sure. Um, my mom at that time had called me back three days later and said, are you sitting down? And she told me, uh, my conception story and how that went for her and told me she was 98% sure that my dad was my dad. And so it was pretty shocking. Um, I was left with a lot of stuff to sort out with uh, very little support from them. It became quite clear quite quickly that they did not want to um, talk much more about it and uh, left me with that 3%, (laughs) two from one person, one from the other. So I... Talked about it, I looked in the mirror a lot, I was constantly looking at my nose wondering, starting to wonder how I might not actually look like my dad or anyone on his side of the family. So uh, I don't think I was prepared in any way, shape or form to go any further or dig any deeper at that time. And I kind of chose like, no, my dad is who he is. And that's good enough for me. And off I went throughout my 30s. And at 32, I got pregnant. At 33, I had my son. And so I became very busy as a single parent uh, and a a new focus. I just poured all my focus into him and my love into him. So a nice distraction from actually um, thinking about myself and what uh, I might need from that. So I guess we can fast forward to when my son was 10 years old, came home from school and asked for an Ancestry DNA test. He was seeing the commercials at his grandma's house. He was learning about it in school. And me being the people pleaser, as many NPEs are, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll get you that for Christmas. Um, Kind of in the back of my mind going, okay. I guess we'll see what shows up on there. And um, I know my biological father's last name because my birth certificate father and my uncle, my birth certificate father's brother are still very close with the man who was rumored to be my father. Um, good family friends. I even went horseback riding at his at my biological father's place when my birth certificate father took me there when i was 12 years old and i have very vivid memories of um being there and and meeting jim is the biological father i've met jim a couple times throughout my life
0: but at the time you had no inkling that he was your birth father
1: no not when i was little riding his horses <laughs> i had no idea wow yeah so When I was 30 and I asked my mom about it, she told me that she had gone uh, for knee surgery in a city that was three hours north of where I grew up. And so um, my birth certificate father picked her up from this knee surgery and they stopped in at Jim and Judy's house on the way back and had a full weekend of partying. And at that time in the 70s, uh, my dad had coerced my mom into doing a couple swap. In my dad's words, it was a wife swap. And my mom told me that my dad at that time was already having an affair with another woman. So she really felt that he was coercing her to make himself feel better. She was probably already onto him and went for it anyways i kind of look at the whole situation and go wow knee surgery she was probably coming off some pretty heavy um, medicine and you know was easily influenced um i have so much compassion for my mom i have so much compassion for all of the adults who were in that situation at that time young parents you know, got married at 19. Jim and Judy got married at, I think Judy was 16 years old. And now they're, you know, in their early mid twenties and they've had two kids and three kids. And, you know, it was just a, probably a time of exploration. And I have no judgment on that at all. Not at all. I'm very open with that kind of stuff. So, um, I found when my mom was telling me this story, I found myself consoling her. And it was more about, mom, it's okay. Like, you know, I have no judgment. I, you were young and in your early 20s. I know what I was like in my early 20s. Like, not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. Honestly, I just, I, I went right into caretaking with her. And never um, taking care of my own feelings in this discovery. So my son's DNA test results came in. I saw the last name of the rumored biological father. I did not see the last name of my side of the family um, or wh- who I thought my dad was in that side of the family, so I saw no names there. But um, And at that time, I reached out to my birth certificate father, and I said, I think it's about time we do that DNA test, because he did mention when I was 30, if I wanted to do a DNA test, that he would. Um, And so in his Facebook message back to me, it was, you know, I'll support whatever you want. You'll probably have more questions, though. And I said, yes, this is what I want. Could you please do the DNA test? He said, I'll do it when I get back from Mexico in April. And this was about March. And so a full year went by and my dad did not follow up with me. And I was digging into these patterns that I had with men. And men who would show up and be kind of one foot in, one foot out, never really available, um, And I was kind of at a point in my life now in my 40s where I was not chasing my dad to be my dad anymore because he hadn't really shown up for me in my whole adult life. Um, He had only met my child when he was like five months old and he's now 12 and my dad's never seen him. And I just could never quite understand why he has this beautiful daughter and this beautiful grandson that he couldn't connect with or uh, have a relationship with. I just, it confused the hell out of me why my dad would not get close to me. And so, um, of course, when he, you know, said that he would follow up and then never did, it hurt like hell. I was not going to chase him again. I was tired of chasing my daddy by this point in your 40s. It just sounds so ridiculous to even say, right? Um, So at that time, my cousin on his side of the family had offered to do her DNA test and I would do mine. And if her and I did not connect, we would know. She is also friends with a lot of my biological family father's family. So she knew one of my half brothers. So when we got the test results, we didn't connect. I started reading her some of the names on that showed up on my profile that I didn't recognize any of them. And so she went on to my half brother's Facebook, because she's friends with him on the biological side. And she started saying, yep, he's connected to this person, this person, this person, he was literally a match to all the names that were showing up on my profile. So we were like, there it is.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. And then it came out after that my aunt, so my cousin's mom, who married my birth certificate father's brother, my aunt actually kind of knew the rumor too my whole life because my biological father's wife confided in her at that time that Terry might be carrying Jim's child. So they knew.
0: So they knew and they never said anything.
1: No. No. And my aunt did a really good job of keeping a secret, but I think it got to a point where she saw how it was impacting my life. And um, the angel that she is, she offered to support me through this discovery. And she said, you know, I know Jim and Judy really well. I would be happy to break the ice if that's what you wanted me to do. And I said, yeah, I think I would like that because I don't think I could face the rejection again of like mailing a letter to him and never knowing if it got received or opened or, you know, I just couldn't imagine spending more years wondering. So she did. She called Jim, my biological father and said, these DNA tests are out. Lynn's matched with your side of the family. There's a lot of them. It's pretty obvious that she's your biological daughter. And at the time, Jim was very excited. I have a daughter. He wanted to come and meet me. Uh, my aunt said he even had tears of joy. And they had a really beautiful conversation. And um, my heart lit up. I was so excited. I, I, you know, I know this man. I've met him. I was at my cousin's wedding. And they were there. They were at like all kinds of family events that I was at when I was growing up. So I just wanted to give him a big old hug and say, hey, here it is, the truth's out. Can we all just like be one big happy family now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that didn't happen. So Judy, uh, I guess Jim told Judy that this DNA test came out and she flipped out. She phoned everyone in the family and told them to have nothing to do with me. Uh, She told her own kids, my half-brothers, that she would disown them if they connected with me. Oh, Lynn. Uh, Yeah. So Jim messaged my aunt back a few days later and said, I can't continue at this time. And I said, okay, you know, I imagine how shocking it must be for everyone, like, you know, still holding hope that they might come around when, you know, it had some time to settle. And um, so that was at the beginning of the pandemic. I wrote the letter to them. My aunt called to say I wanted to send a letter. They said they can't continue at this time. My aunt chose to email my letter anyway, and um, my oldest brother that I grew up with happened to be really good friends with Jim and Judy as well. Somehow in his adult life, he became really close with them, and so he happened to be driving through town when Jim got the email, or Judy did. I still don't know if Jim's ever read the letter or not. But he said, my brother was like, hey, Jim and Judy, I'm going to stop in for a coffee. And they said, no, you can't. I just found out Lynn's mine. And my oldest brother, who had told me that rumor, like 30, or when I was 30, was like, yeah, you guys knew this a long time ago. I don't know what the big deal is. (sighs) And then... uh, he went straight to my birth certificate dad and told him and told my other brother and he told pretty much everybody without talking to me first. And so then everybody was mad at me because I went, around, I went about it the wrong way. So issues were getting linked that had nothing to do with me and it just was all getting spun like uh, insanely just to kind of further keep me away and blame me for... Causing drama, which was initially my biggest fear, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I think every NPE um has that fear of rejection, has that fear of, you know, how is everybody gonna react to this? Am I am I causing drama? But none of this was your fault. Yeah. You didn't ask for any of this, you know. And you have a right to get to the bottom of the truth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I really feel that. So uh, my birth certificate father wrote me a letter after that, after my one brother meddled in it all. And he wrote me a letter asking what I wanted from this. Did I want my name removed from wills? Um, He was angry at his brother and his sister-in-law, mostly his sister-in-law, and um, thought that they kind of probed me to do this out of revenge to whatever fight family feud they were having at the time. It was just so ridiculous. I was like, not at all. Like I started on this journey 10 years ago when I talked to my birth certificate father. And then when I asked him again, like two years ago to do a DNA test. And he said he would support me and whatever I wanted, but that was just words. Because when it came time to actually supporting me, the venom came out. And I can only imagine, like, you know, how shattering that could be. But the confusing part for me is he's never really had anything to do with me in his adult life, in my adult life anyways. So wouldn't this be an opportunity to be like, yeah, and that's why I couldn't connect with you. We can all move on now. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he must have had suspicions at some point. and And when you do, you know, swap partners with somebody and someone gets pregnant, I mean, they obviously must have been like, hmm, I wonder, you know, I mean, there had to have been that, that suspicion or that wonder.
1: Well, they remained close friends throughout the years, and they all witnessed me grow up with green eyes and blonde hair. And Jim's sisters all have green eyes and blonde hair. And people used to ask me and my mom and my dad, where'd the green eyes come from? So it's pretty clear when you look at me that I look a lot like my biological father and all of the women in his family.
0: Wow. How does that make you feel looking at them and seeing yourself?
1: Oh man, this, yeah, we haven't even dove into this part of the story. So after Judy told everyone to stay away from me, one brave cousin on that side said, no way, she's family and reached out to me and started sharing photos with me of all the women. And I looked so much like them. It felt uh, strange at first. It felt exciting. It felt Incredibly sad that I didn't get to know these people that I missed out on 45 years of getting to know them I Felt Like I was mourning a family I didn't get to have My people Um, So that first cousin I met or I just talked to over the phone I'm actually meeting her next week for the first time. She's flying out here but that's wonderful. Yeah, one of uh, my aunts is here on the island and Judy phoned her right away and said, don't you dare go see Lynn because she knew that we live close to each other. Um, so she bravely came forward and met me anyway. And so I got to look at these people in person with green eyes and blonde hair and their joyful nature and their laughter and some of the mannerisms that were the same, like it was instant love. And it's like that love you have when you first have your child. It's just instant. And there's just a knowing that they're your people. And it was the most incredible, healing, beautiful thing for ha- to have them take a stand and say, choose powerfully that this is someone in our bloodline and we have the right to know her. Whether you want to meet her or not is not anything to do with you so um I've met a lot of the family and the ones I like to say I've met the good ones the ones that have the same values um that are willing to stand in the truth and own it and the ones that are not are the one not the ones I'm meeting and they're the ones causing the drama
0: And is your birth father's wife aware that they have been meeting you and are a part of your life now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, she knows. My half-brother came out a couple weeks ago, and he told her, I'm going to meet her.
0: And what was her reaction to that?
1: Um, Well, he was telling me that she's been extra nice to them, him and his wife. and, And so I don't think it's getting talked about, but... Um, I think she's probably realized it's out of her control when all of these people are showing up to meet me, even though she told them not to.
0: Good for them. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of them. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how many half siblings then do you have on your birth father's side?
1: So I have three older brothers on my biological father's side and two older brothers on my biological mother's side. And so now I have a total of five older brothers.
0: And you're the only girl.
1: And I'm still the youngest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And somehow you're still the youngest. I love it. I love it. So, And so how many of your new half brothers have you met?
1: I've met one in person. I've talked to all three on the phone. Um, We had wonderful conversations. You know, I definitely let them know I don't have any expectations. I don't need to be an Insta family. (laughs) But if the opportunity was ever there, I would love to meet them and their kids. Um, You know, finding out you're an auntie three more times is pretty cool. And, you know, it just, it would be my dream to just have us all get together. And I think the coolest thing about my half-brother who did come out to meet me was that his kids are still so young. So I'm just auntie to them. That's all they'll ever know. And I think that's pretty cool.
0: That is very, very cool and exciting.
1: Really is. What a gift. What a gift.
0: (laughs) And what is your relationship like currently with your mother and your birth certificate father?
1: So my mother didn't talk to me. She was very angry, uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, she took it personally. She thought this was something I was doing to her to upset her. Um, And I tried to make it very clear that it wasn't about that at all. Many times. Um, I was ignored for quite a while. I was sending Christmas, Thanksgiving, and nothing. And then her sister died. And I phoned her to let her know that her sister died. And it kind of opened up the relationship again. And so we started talking again. And... um, anytime the biological father stuff came up, she would say, it's done. It's done, Lena. It's done. And I was like, uh, I don't know what reality you're living in because I'm not done. I'm still here. I'm pinching myself. I exist. This is my truth. These are my family members that I get to meet. There's, it's only just begun. (laughs) It's not done. (laughs) Um, I don't think she liked that too much. But um, after my half brother was out a few weeks ago, I posted some photos. I asked them if it was okay if I posted on Facebook and she's been blocked on my Facebook for a while. Um, Somebody reported back to her that I had met Sunny and um, she got really angry about that. She said, the one thing I asked you not to do was post on Facebook. And she hung up on me and I haven't talked to her since. So I'm actually at the point where, you know, in preparing for this conversation, I, I just feel that I need to take a stand for myself and you're right. It's not my fault. And I want to celebrate my discoveries and I don't want to be, um, for lack of better words, shat on every time I celebrate my new discovery or a new family member or someone that I get to love. I don't need somebody trying to rip that away from me. So going to have some solid boundaries moving forward from from here on in because I, I truly feel I gave it my all to repair her and I's relationship And I'm the one doing the work, trying to have a relationship with her over her lie. It's just like, makes no sense. Like, shouldn't she be groveling? Shouldn't she be apologizing to me? I got, I get none of that and I get no support. So I'm not going there anymore.
0: Well, and and the answer to that question is yes, she should be apologizing to you and she should be groveling and she should be admitting you know what happened and and not lying about it and so should your birth father's wife they all should be admitting to this they all should be giving you an explanation and apologizing that this was kept from you for so long and that so much time has been wasted and that there have been so many unlived memories as a result you know it's it's time at this point to just be honest with themselves. Um, You know, we've all had fun in our twenties, myself included. Um, But when a child is a product of that fun, um, you have to be honest about that and you have to, you know, kind of face those consequences and the choices that you made. And you um, as the product of that fun that they had should never be shamed um, or silenced or told that you should not live your truth. And there should be a lot of apologies to you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, fun is my middle name. I'm the one who's like, yeah, let's just like own it. What a cool story. Like my conception story is pretty damn cool. I'm, I'm down with it.
0: (laughs) It's definitely pretty unique.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. I knew this was going to be a good one. I knew it.
1: I mean, like, the reason I've always loved, like, disco and 70s music, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if I could only find the laughter. Isn't the best thing to be able to laugh at yourself? Like, really? Come on, people. It happened in the 70s. Who cares? Just laugh. Have fun.
0: I know, you know, I I say all of the time, you know, even, you know, with my story, I never would have, you know, faulted my mother or biological father for getting pregnant on prom night. I mean, for goodness sakes, you know how many teenagers are screwing each other on prom (laughs) night? I mean, who cares? You know, That's, that's not something, you know, that's abnormal. And I never would have judged that or been upset about that at all. What I am upset about is how my mother handled it since then, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know how she handled it back then, how she's handled it, you know, since I've made this discovery, you know, it's like, come on, you know, I could have, if it had just been explained to me, oh, you know, you know, I I was a teenager. I was horny on prom night, you know, we (laughs) might've had a little to drink, you know, Whatever, like that's, you know, I would have been like, okay, you know, I get it, but you should have told me (laughs) a long time ago, you know? And um, so, you know, these things, these things happen and, but for some reason, a lot of people, they're more interested in their own self-preservation and they don't want to admit to those things. There's a lot of shame, I think, involved in that. Um, And so when the truth comes to light, They go on kind of like a, um, a mission to make sure that the narrative is what they want it to be. Yeah. Um, damage control, I call it. They go on damage control. Yeah. Um, instead of just being open and saying, Hey, look, you know, this is a choice that we made. A child came from this choice, you know, um, it it wasn't ideal, but this is what happened. We all make mistakes and and just be accountable. Just be accountable for the choices that you make.
1: Yeah, it's pretty simple. You got to wonder if some of the deep shame comes from I like I always wonder has she actually thought about all of these family members that she kept me from? Has she thought about you know, all of that love and family support that I could have had but didn't? I don't know. Like, I don't know if, I don't even know if they, like, who knows why the need to preserve and, you know, other than saving their own face, which is ridiculous because it happened so long ago that nobody judges people on something that happened 45 years ago. (laughs) Like they're judging them now on how they're handling it now. And that's what they don't see. And it's like, wow, like you guys could have been the heroes in this story. But now, everybody's looking, going, "How could you treat your own daughter that way?
0: They probably feel or or saying that you're making them look bad, but frankly, they're making themselves look bad,
1: yeah. It just yeah, I just it blows my mind that everyone can see that, but them
0: it's, un- it's unbelievable. So Lynn, where are you now in your journey? And what has helped you to cope with everything that has come along with this discovery?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I often think about that. So my cousin Dana, who happens to have a master's in psychology, was really um, a huge part in helping me through a lot of stuff like re-identifying, reconnecting me um, to my new identity. And uh, I was in the coach training program for the entire year of the pandemic and this discovery. So I had a team of 16 people around me that offered support anytime I needed it. Um, So a team of incredible humans and leaders I signed up for that program at the time because I knew I needed that much support. (laughs) I knew I needed a team around me. Um, It was a $20,000 program. So I often think of all the money that I've put into personal development as well um, to get the support and the love that I do not get from my, you know, where you would think it should come from. Um, so it's been costly and I don't regret any of that because I don't think I'd be here today if I didn't sign myself up for that much support. I.
0: And, and when you say you don't think you'd be here today without that support, what do you mean?
1: (sighs) Oh. I just, the shattering that I went through, uh, the depression, the anxiety, um, not just around this discovery, but it was always there. It was underlying because there was always this underlying feeling of not belonging. Mm-hmm. And so. I moved myself away to an island. I isolate. um, I've gone through some very painful things with my... my, Who I thought was my immediate family. My brothers, my mother. And uh, I just... I honestly don't think... Had I not reached out for support... And tried to do it all on my own. I just... I don't know. I, I just... I just think I would have crumbled into nothingness. (laughs) So it was worth every penny. So I've also worked with um, psychologists and doing EMDR for post-trauma stress disorder, um, which I had been diagnosed with early 20s, mid-20s, I think. So there was always something there that I couldn't quite put my thumb on. And so I've done a lot of, uh, EMDR going back to the womb. I truly believe that a mother's stress does get transferred to the baby in the womb. And I know my mom was going through very, uh, emotional and stressful times around my birth. Um, they got divorced right after I was born. There's some painful stories, a lot of pain uh, when I was in her belly for sure. So um, reparenting my inner child, doing a lot of reparenting work, that's really helped. Like I'm telling you, acupuncture, yoga, like you name it, I have I have reached out for it. <laughs> Writing writing a story and woman rise with nine other ladies. I've done like everything you can imagine. I feel like I've done it. <laughs> I'm
0: so glad. And I I'm sure probably having your son motivates you too to say, you know, I need to focus on my mental health so that I can be the best mom that I can be, even through something so traumatic and so life changing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. He was my main life force, driving force. I went back to school and got my human resource management and leadership degree and did all that as a single mom while he was young. And a lot of the electives I chose were uh, child psychology, psychology, interpersonal relationships. Like I did a ton of work even in school um, because I wanted to be the kind of parent that I always wanted and I wanted to learn every positive psychology parenting tip trick there was. (laughs) So yes, he, he's the light.
0: He has a great mom.
1: Thank you. I am very proud. I am. I definitely know that this has all made me who I am today. I have no regrets. I have no regrets for, you know the people who who conceived me <laughs> and i have nothing but love and hope in my heart for them still
0: do you have a feeling that your birth father and his wife will eventually come around on this
1: you know i i don't think i let myself feel either way around that i feel like i when that question gets asked, it's just a numbness that I feel.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, We've gone through so much hope and disappointment uh, that I just don't, I don't think I allow myself to go into that hope uh, in order to avoid the disappointment. Um, I do see a lot of people in our NPE group post photos at their biological father's grave site. And I do, go into hope that, that it won't be the case. But I also go into preparation that it could be the case. Um, he's 75 years old. And when his son came out to meet me, I, I messaged him after. And I'm like, you know, it was so good to get to hug you. And I still do hold hope that I'll get to hug my father someday. But I say that so... I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, I can't even describe the feeling. It's like I hope, but then I don't allow myself to go in the hope at at the same time.
0: So you're feeling guarded about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: That's normal. That's a normal way to feel for sure. If your mother and your birth certificate father were to call you tomorrow and say, we are so sorry how we've handled this. Um, None of this was your fault. We have let you down in more ways than we can count. And we want to try to repair this. How do you think you would respond to that?
1: Well, I would be astonished. Um I would probably at first ask if it was a prank call and who it actually was. <laughs> <laughs> I just Man, I just don't see it in them. So much pride. They have so much pride there. Um but As I said to my dad, in my birth certificate dad, in my email response to him when he chose to sever the relationship for good, in his words, in his email, I responded with, I hear your choice and my door will remain open. So my door is open. If they do call and say that, knowing myself, I would welcome them with open arms and probably sob for days.
0: You're a good person, Lynn.
1: Mm. Takes one to know one.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. I I have met so many amazing people on this journey, including you. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like I've made stronger connections with some of the people in this NPE community than I ever had with any of my my own family members, and um, you know because my family was so dysfunctional and because they're no longer in my life, I've really had to kind of make my own family in a way, and um, and I've been able to do that with um, several really amazing people in this NPE community, and um, I think that I can safely say that I'm going to add you to that as well because yeah. I I just adore talking to you and you have such a light about you um, and such a, an amazing soul. And um, I, I really feel for what you are going through. I think only another NPE can really say that. Um, mm-hmm. And I really admire how strong you've been through this journey and the boundaries that you've set and the bravery that you have in saying, you know, no, I, I, you know, I'm not going to be shamed. I'm not going to be silenced. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to live my truth. Um, and it is what it is, you know? And, um, I, I really admire you for that and I think that our listeners will admire you for that as well. Um, and if there are any listeners that, um, Really connect with you and with your story, and would like to reach out to you. Is there a way that they can do that?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, they can reach out. I'm just building my website, lindenise.com. So that will be up soon. Uh, Lindenisecoaches at gmail.com. I'm not on Instagram a whole lot. I'm not on social media a whole lot anymore because of the multi passions and the many hats I'm wearing. But yeah, I would love I love it when a stranger reaches out and says, Hey, I heard your story. I heard you on a podcast. Uh, Something landed for me would love to connect. I'm so open to connecting with humans all around the world. And I agree, like this global community that we have been gifted is incredible.
0: So, listeners, if you want to reach out to Lynn, um, I can tell you, honestly, she's absolutely amazing. You won't regret it. Um, She's just an absolute pleasure to talk to. And you can't see her right now, but I can because we're doing this via video. And she has a smile that lights up the room. (laughs) If you need to talk to somebody you're feeling down and you need someone to brighten up your day, definitely contact Lynn. She's truly uh, an amazing person. Lynn, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story today. I really appreciate you being here. Please stay in touch. Please keep me updated on your journey, especially if there are any new developments. And please feel free to go to the Facebook page for the podcast and share any photos or anything that you would like to share on there. Um, The listeners really love to see updates like that. It helps them to connect even more with your story. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you're a parent who has not been honest with your child about their true parentage, I urge you to share the truth with them. Withholding this information for any reason will drastically affect your relationship and your child's mental health down the road. If you're not sure the best way to reveal the truth, there are qualified therapists that can help you communicate in a healthy way. Our lives are enriched by having parents who are honest with us. Honesty saves a great deal of pain in the future, and it fosters an environment of trust and genuine intimacy between parents and children. The trauma, discovering a non-paternal event later in life is something that no one asks for or deserves. We have a right to know where we come from, know our true ancestry, and our mental and physical health history. And while sometimes it's said that the truth can be a double-edged sword, it's far more harmful and damaging to withhold it from the people we love. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, Please email the secret in my dna at gmail.com. You do not have to give identifying information, and if you prefer to share your story anonymously, names can be changed or abbreviated for privacy purposes. To hear more amazing DNA discovery stories, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm slash the secret my DNA. The Secret in My DNA also has a Facebook page where our guests can share photos and updates of their journey, so please go give it a like and a follow. I'm your host, Michelle Perret. Thank you for listening.